Welcome to the Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy, the free podcast for motivated teachers and school leaders who want to inspire their students and school community in literacy learning. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast player, and for more amazing literacy resources, check out the show notes provided with every episode. Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm the host of a Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy. In every Toolkit episode, we bring you specific resources, tools, strategies, tips, techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. Firstly, we acknowledge and pay our respects to the Ghana people, the traditional custodians whose ancestral lands we gather on. We acknowledge the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of the Ghana people to country, and we respect and value their past, present and ongoing connection to the land and cultural beliefs. Welcome everyone to the podcast. Um, In every episode, we try to give you lots of really hands-on tips and strategies for you in your job as a, as a teacher of literacy um, and we're getting great feedback that that's what we're doing. Yeah, every, I love every week something, somebody um, reaches out to let us know what they've gained from it or um, who they've been sharing it with and the feedback they've been getting from those that they are sharing it with and I've got to say I also love that Like we've worked in a lot of places over the years Mm. and I love how people that we have connected with over time um, are, I suppose we could say, sort of back in our professional lives again, um, you know, linking into the podcast and sharing that with others and I really value, you know, we've worked with just some incredible um, people over our years of teaching and it's you know, just so nice to reconnect with some people, but to know that, um, you know, those that we were learning with and learning from are um, getting value from this too, as well as all the new people that we're connecting with. I yeah. love that. Yeah, and really this podcast is to help everyone in their journey. Um, we are just doing this for the love of doing it, and that's – our intention is just to help you as a teacher in your classroom. Really, that's yep. nothing nothing more, <laughs> I know, nothing it less. It just, just spills out, you know. Yep. Like I think we might have said maybe on another podcast, but it doesn't hurt to say again. But, mm. you know, we've spent a lot of time having a lot of conversations here, you and I, and it's actually so much fun to be able to um, have those conversations with a broader Audience. Audience. Yeah. You know, really, you know, we, we do really enjoy doing this. So yeah. thanks, and thanks for being part of it. Yeah, and we really um, uh, value getting it into a blog as well so that you can see it in a written form um, so it's not just a podcast. We know podcasts can take a while to, you know, listen to them and, you know, yes. you might want to just listen to the ones that are specific to your interest or you might want to go through the whole lot. Um, um if you do go through the whole lot, I can guarantee you'll just get so much out of it. So, um, now the topic today, Sharon, yes, is transformative tracking. One of our timeless T's. Yes. Yep. But a specific uh, tracking. Well, um, a specific aspect of that, and actually, I'm have been mindful. I was thinking this today as we were preparing for it, but transformative tracking, the reader's notebook. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it feels like we've kind of been having quite a heavy focus on the reading yeah. side of things. We haven't really, but but today we'll start making that real reading writing connection. Um, and I think, and this will definitely, you know, don't feel that we've forgotten writing and all the other aspects of literacy as well. Um, but you know, as we keep saying, writing and reading are in service to each other. Yeah. And powerful service to each other. Powerful service to each other and the word work, you know, spelling is in service to both reading and writing. And so we can't ever think that the the focus that we have on one of those things doesn't impact have high impact on those other aspects of literacy. So we wouldn't we're not really talking about reading in isolation ever. Mm. It's always got connections to the writing and to the word yeah. work. You know, it's all it's all connected, and I think that's one way in which the Australian curriculum does that really well. Yep. is because it's looking at language, literature, and literacy. You know, we we in, instinctively want to go. Okay, well, which are the writing parts? Which are the reading parts? Which is the spelling part? And they're there, but I think it's just so rich when we think about it in terms of the literacy. What are we using? Because that's what literacy is, the choosing and using. What language, how are we engaging with literature to what, and then what, what strategies and skills are we choosing and using you know, to really enhance our literacy. Yeah, and before we get into all that, let's have a little bit of a chatty ramble. Oh, yes. Sorry. Um, (laughs) As I sit here, it'll make sense for everybody, as I sit here mm. looking at, I have just made comment on um, Phil. Phil will explain what he's up to at the moment. Yeah, fortunately, it's a podcast and you can't (laughs) see what I'm wearing, but um, I've got my painting clothes on because... We as teachers find the holidays a fantastic time to get onto those jobs and things we need to get onto or just love to get onto because um, the term time is so busy. Mm. Um, often ev- lots of things go on hold. Yes. And I'm just enjoying this week where I'm getting into painting the front veranda actually. Getting back into the painting. Yeah. You've been doing a magnificent job of making your way around the house, which I think started in about April. It's, it feels like I'm painting the Sydney Harbour Bridge and <laughs> yeah. I'm just the going eternal. round and round and round and round. Anyway, uh, that's it, my little chatty it, ramble. It's uh, right for you to think that because that is exactly how it's been going. <laughs> yeah, but we hope teachers out there are just enjoying yes. this time and um, – well, Australian and New Zealand teachers. Well, actually, um, because I know by the time they hear this, it will they'll be back to school. Yeah. So yes, we hope everyone really mm. actually hold on to those things that you really had a chance to do to recharge in the holidays. Oh, I forgot that. We're, yeah, this will be coming out when people. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's going to be confusing, but anyway. <laughs> Sharon, uh, what have you what have been, been up to? or up to or thinking about or, you know? Well, actually I've been, so that I can have a little bit of switch off time in the holidays because we do know, um, and I'm probably one of those people that finds it hard to switch off, hyperactive, does come into the vernacular at times, mm. um, but I have, um, so that I can take a break as soon as school's back, um, I'm, oh, of this great pleasure in running two workshops for five 
um, different schools, five of the schools that I've been working with this year, and we're going to be kicking off the school year with um, whole day workshops. And so I've been planning um, for those, and both of those workshops happen to be around writing. So, um, so that's been my thrill over this past week is really thinking um, and preparing for um, that work around really expanding how we're going to – the focus really is about inspiring young writers through a writer's workshop approach and really developing um, teachers' knowledge and repertoire of all kinds of – when we think of imaginative and informative and persuasive writing – all the different types of writing we can do within that. Yeah, because they're the three uh, ones mentioned in the Australian curriculum, aren't yes. they? And there's, yes. It's so much richer when you think of it in that way. Yes, yes. Yeah. If we yeah. think imaginative, not just narrative. So that opens up. Once we say imaginative, all these doors open up of what kinds of texts can we be creating or innovating on and adapting for our younger ones, because that's in the Australian curriculum for our younger writers, how we innovate and adapt story, you know, familiar Mm. stories. Um, I was going to say, because literature is a big part of this, isn't it? Yes, yes. And so inspiring young writers for all of the schools, we're really talking about how are we inspired by the literature that we read. Yep. And... How do we expand that into all those different types of writing? As I said, so all the different, you know, exploring all kinds of imaginative writing, not just the narrative, all kinds of informative writing, not just the information report, all the kinds of persuasive writing, Mm. not just the um, introduction, three paragraph and, um, you know, summary Mm structure, like all those different forms, you know, the letters, the persuasive letter, because we have to remember that all of these things, persuasive writing is like that's its purpose, to persuade. What form that's in, wow. It's not a singular, there's not just one form of that. There's all different kinds. So anyway. And one of the forms of writing that you think uh, we underdo is yes is that even a word underdo yeah we've made it yeah. our word um <laughs> is writing about our reading writing about our reading uh, yes mm. um and so therefore that's um one of the big links for today yep in yep. thinking about the reader's notebook which should include some of that writing about our reading because that's where when we, it's the thinking that we're doing, the thinking and and the talking and the writing about what we're reading where we're really learning, you know, to hold on to information mm-hmm. and understand how that is transform, how that's transformative for us. Aidan Chambers, I learnt that from him early on. You know, if we, we're talking about transformative tracking today, but that word transformative... He mm. talked about that. He said, you know, our understanding about things can only be transformed when we do the thinking and the talking and the writing about that 
Otherwise, it just stays in our head. It just... Yep. So... So as a teacher, you wanted to um, get kids going on uh, deeper levels of uh, showing their thinking. Yes. And you found out about this tool, which is a reader's notebook. Yeah. So um, I really had, you know, early on I had this real dilemma for, you know, when I was looking at my students as... And I know you discovered the same thing too, mm. that when when we looked at our students' responses to their reading, I really felt that if I was asking, like if we were using the, well, we read and, okay, let's check your thinking now through these set questions that are asked at the end of a piece of text or you know, at the end of a a book, it it just got it just got low level responses from that. It wasn't students weren't it was sort of like what I talk about was, you know, that wasn't just low level responses. It was the I don't really care kind of responses. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my goodness, these children, like when we sit and talk about books, they've got so much to say here. Why why aren't we catching all those deep thoughts and that deep thinking and that questioning and that wondering that they're doing rather than so this rather than the the they're not always closed questions but they're they're predetermined questions often mm, mm. and predetermined questions aren't opening the door mm. but having open ended questions. That's what I was chasing down and hence, you know, the birth for me of the Reader's Notebook. And I started with that in one format and then that just grew into a whole lot of things. And that's what I'd like to explore today Yeah, is it isn't just about writing about the reading, you know, it's more than that. It's, it's, it's holding, a, holding on to the, their thinking. It's holding on to their thinking. Um, and so... I suppose what we should sort of say is what do we mean by a reader's so notebook? We'll get into the d- detail of what it's about. and Yeah. Yep. So do you want me to talk about that? Yeah, let's yes. get into it, I think. yeah. Yes. So if, if I said to you, I want to set up a, t- a reader's notebook in my classroom, how would I go about it? Like this is the start of the year. Here we go, Sharon. What do I do? All right. So first up, to define a reader's notebook – We would say it's a book in which students are going to be drawing, writing, detailing, describing, exploring, organising, pondering, problem solving, recording and sharing their thinking in response to texts that they've heard. So our read-alouds and that's... That's really where I start with the reader's notebook. Okay, not not with their own reading to start not, with. No, because so I want to do some modelling there. Okay, I, yep. because I want to lead into by modelling. Um, if you've listened to Rob Vingerhoot's podcast, or where we had not Rob Vingerhoot's podcast, but the podcast where we had Rob Vingerhoot's on, um, the trench of lost momentum. Yep, um, and he talked about like. Less talking from us, more action from our students. And that's exactly what's happening here too. 
even if we're doing in the read aloud, we are helping them to to get into deeper thinking through the texts heard and ways of responding. So we would do it for texts heard, the ones that they do for themselves, and for texts viewed. That can be any of those things. But you would start with a read aloud? Well, I could, but I wouldn't take long before I would let them say, well, you can you can be doing this with your own texts. Okay, yeah. So I'm not going to do that for weeks on end where it's just with the read aloud. Um, and there's a distinction to make here too. In the early years, so in our foundation year one, two classes, I would be getting children to... Um, engage in their readers' notebooks, writing about, drawing, thinking about, at least twice a week. Okay. My, sorry. My, my question, I guess, is, yes, I get the idea of them writing about their reading, but how do I get that uh, deeper thinking, those, those um, responses from them that are going to be deeper? Okay, so... Can I just – I'll get to that. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but can I just talk about um, – oh, I'm losing my thread here. Um, mm, let me come back to it. Sorry. Right. No, that's okay. So what I'm thinking about is that, yes, we want a reader's notebook and they're responding to all this um, either a read aloud or their own reading, but uh, we want them to – um, go deeper in their uh, thoughts about what they write about. So um, what what do we do as a teacher to get them to write in a richer, deeper way? All right, so the kinds of questions that we ask or the kinds of, not questions I suppose that we ask, but the kinds of thinking that we want to engage our students in is going to be prompted by the things that we say. So but, the kinds of thinking... Is that what you're asking? Yeah, is that so, what you mean? So, so good questions are Yeah. So secret. if we're asking students to in fact um, the research um, the researcher Zimmerman says, I really like how they explain this, that what we're actually teaching students to do and what we're helping them to learn is to remember to hold on to their thinking. So rather than here's the question that we're asking at the end and then we go, "Mm, I don't know, now I've got to go back in, see where I can find that. We're actually asking questions to help them think as they're listening and as they're reading. Right. So they're not recall questions, they are questions or they're prompts that are getting us thinking and holding on to that thinking as we are listening or as we're reading. Ah, so, okay, so they've got this question in their head. Yes. Yeah, so and, and then they're listening to the story or they're reading their own and they keep that question up in their head um, to help them. Yeah, or I might chart it. It might be on my anchor chart, okay. good readers. So I might have something like, you know, say good readers are thinking about how this story makes them feel. Yep. Good readers are thinking about what they're liking about this story okay, or poem or this information text. Good readers are 
thinking about what questions and what wonderings they have as they're listening or reading. Good readers are thinking about what's puzzling them. So do they then read this text and then at the end they do that writing or can they write at various times during their reading? Well, if if they're listening to it, I'm not going to get them writing as they're listening. Um, And this is the other – I didn't – I just remembered where I was going before. Oh, good. (laughs) That our younger readers um, would be – you know, in their writer's notebook, writing about their reading, you know, maybe, well, at least twice a week. Our older readers, I'm really only going to be getting them to write in an extended way, maybe once a week. Mm -hmm. Because if we, if we, we can't let it, the danger is that we're doing more writing about than we're doing the reading. Yeah. And we don't ever want to take away that time. So I don't actually... When I'm teaching older students, I don't actually build in the response to the reader's notebook entry or the writing about it. I don't build that in in the reader's workshop. That's part of my writer's workshop. That's my once-a-week writing piece that I'm doing. As part of the writing workshop. Yes, yes, because I'm... Writing, I'm being the writer here and catching, you know, doing that work. But that you did say, um, you know, are they doing this as they're listening? So if I was reading, I might though have children, older students might be jotting on post it notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so they'd be holding those post it notes, catching that thinking, yeah, maybe catching those questions they've got or wonderings or what's puzzling them. And you would have modelled this in a mini lesson? I'd have, yeah, yeah. easily model yep. it, yep. yes. So showing what the thinker is, is doing yep. and how I can catch that. So I'm teaching how I can hold on to it mm. in my head mm. or I can think about it, you know, by or hold on to it by doing some, you know, a jot you know, on a post-it note, stick it on that page. When it comes to me doing an entry in my reader's notebook, I can grab all of those post-it notes that I've got, stick them on that page along with my writing, and that's going to help me. Yep. So so the, the writing, um, sorry, the questions, though, that I'm getting to think about early in the year, they're the kinds of questions I'm... I'm structuring it around. I'm, you know, I'm opening up. I'm teaching how to think like a reader. Yeah. What's a reader thinking as they're doing? And so, how then, when it comes to doing a um, a written response? Now, that written response isn't a book review. It isn't. I'm doing it just when I finish a book, because that's not when we need. That's not the only time to be writing about our reading. Mm. Our reading is having an impact and the books that we're listening to are having an impact on us all the way through, not just at the end. So we don't have to wait till, okay, it's when you finish your book, now you're going to write something about what you've read. This is the tool for thinking, 
holding on to our thinking and learning how to do that, learning how to be the active thinker. Would you um, have uh, that writing in the reader's notebook from reading that happened on that particular day or could it have been uh, they were reading over a few days and using their post-it notes and then um, they could have had their reader's notebook session and it was reading from the last few days. Would that? That's right. Yes, it yeah. could be. I'm just Come trying on. to tease it out a bit yeah, so that teachers get an idea. Yeah. yeah. My younger readers, of course, it will be the from the day. Okay, yeah. So we've read, you know, we've read a picture book together. Yeah, it's a bit long for them to hold on to. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and it's enough to, um, you know, in response to that, um, to that day's reading or that read aloud, um, or that big book, or that um, something that we've viewed, or that information text, they would do that in response to that on that day. Yeah. Um, so you can do this so from shared book experience where you have a big book. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Anything yep. heard, read for themselves, and of course children can – there'll be times when they'll do this about their own mm. book. Yeah. So some teachers, I've had a lot of teachers who, um, I did do this myself as a classroom teacher, but I did have my own, I had a big book, a blank big book that I called the class reader's notebook. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. And so some of my modelling went into that book and some of the um, – because here's the other important piece about it. Whatever we write about, we can also talk about that. And I'm pretty sure, well, this might be, if this is the first podcast you've listened to, um, there is an important, writing about reading is important, but so is talking about reading. So talking about it, I can use these same prompts mm. to get kids talking about and discussing yep. their reading. And I talk a lot about at the end of reading um, to have a, a end of independent reading, you know, turn and talk yep. about your reading or turn and tell about your reading. And it can be these same prompts that we use or the discussion that we are having as a class that kind of discussion. I love the the fact that this is also focused on and using these really important questions that we're using, mm. but in a targeted way, we're really targeting oral language, writing, and reading, mm. and they're all coming in it from different angles. Yes, and that voila, it strengthens <laughs> all three. Yes, and yep. makes it also more much more meaningful for the for the students. So they then are. It's having a higher impact on them as well. Yes, yes, you're right. It, this is, I call this a high impact tool. Yeah. This has, um, this brings a lot of, you know, when we talk about the three selves, there's a lot wrapped up in there. Self-motivation, self-direction, self-regulation. This reader's notebook is, and in fact, I can't believe I haven't even said this yet, but the reader's notebook is really a storehouse of the reader, the story of me as a reader yep. for that year. Yep. Because it's not just written responses to things. No. There are some other elements in it 
Um, but I should probably, before I go on to that, just, just wrap up this little bit. You've got another question, I think. One more thing, because yeah. this came in up in the last podcast. There are reader's notebooks and then there are reader's notebooks. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a very high-impact reader's notebook. Yes. We could almost call it something else because we don't want it to be just, you know, there are probably different versions of a reader's notebook. Yeah, yep. yeah. And and I think it's important to explore I don't want to say that a reader's notebook must have, you know, these things, but over 30-something years of working with reader's notebooks now, um, you know, all of the pieces that, and I haven't even talked about all the elements of, but I think that high-impact reader's notebooks do have particular um, aspects to them and they definitely have this high level, you know, we can say, yeah, there's reader's notebooks and there's reader's notebooks. A reader's notebook, if, if reader's notebook is on the front and what's inside is kids answering questions after reading a text, that's not the reader's notebook I'm talking about. No. So just... Because we're writing about our reading in that way, yep. we're talking about this active, this this being a reader. And being a reader is learning to think through our reading, to hold it and to catch some of that. And so in our six, when we were talking about every child every day, Allington and Gabriel said, you know, children need to every day write about something personally meaningful and that's what the reader's notebook, that's a key piece, that what's uh, being written right. in there is personally meaningful. Yep. That's, so, the, that's the openness of the question or the prompt means that I can come to this response in, what it, in the way that is personally meaningful to me. So that's the bit of gold here, isn't it? That yeah. is the real gold of the reader's notebook. It yes. is personally meaningful because that's one of those um, ones that we talked about with yes. um, yeah. Richard Arlington, wasn't it? And so therefore those, um, those questions that I've already talked about, you know, what's puzzled me, that is personally meaningful. What... What were my wonderings as I was reading? That is personally meaningful. How did this story make me feel? That is personally meaningful. So I'm picking up two key things. One is personally meaningful and the other one is that it is something that we do um, not every day. It's something we do... With the older ones especially, you do it sort of once a week. Yeah. yeah. Remembering that we are actually responding to reading in many different ways yeah. throughout the week. Yeah, so there's not just a reader's notebook. No, no. And and our responses don't have to be in particular, you know, so we often think of like a, a response you know, as a book review a response can be in any form. A response can be poetic. Yep. A response can be 
um, you know, as a as a persuasive piece, a response can just be what it is. You know, it's it hasn't got. I don't want people to think there is like structure to it. That it's you know, this is about opening the door for thinking, catching, and responding in a meaningful way. And the other thing I picked up is that asking really good questions is really important. Yeah. Should we should we drill down now to some of the elements of the reader's notebook to yes. get a little bit more detail yeah. about it? Yeah. yeah. Um, this is always me though, isn't it? Just one other thing <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to mention. That reader's notebook, if, if you're in Australia and you've got the Australian curriculum learning area descriptions in front of you, you would look across those and you would go, mm, look here, literature, personal responses, one of the categories. So personal responses, responding to text at every year level, we've got personal responses, expressing preferences and evaluating texts. Evaluating text. What is it that I love about this this text? What is it? So knowing that I gave those few examples of questions across a year, I'm, I'm going to have a range of um, prompts that I'm of thinking, those thinking prompts that I'm leading to that are going to be in the fullness of the Australian curriculum. Mm. So it might be... In vocabulary, I might be getting them being collectors, like collect new and interesting words and phrases from our read aloud or from your own reading and explore those, you know, be a collector or collect. What about features of literary texts? What what kinds of features have I found in the text that I'm exploring? You know, so I'm becoming aware of, because of me as a reader and noticing features of text. So reading like a writer. So there's a range of things you'd cover over the year. Yes. Um, I like the way it's a kind of um, a systematic thing that you you might do it once a week. Um, I know there's lots of other ways to collect their thinking and their whatever, but um, I like the way... And I think teachers would like the idea of having the reader's notebook once a week. It's very structured and organised. Yes. But within that structure and organisation, yep. there's a range of things you would do over the year yes. that would make sure you cover these elements of the Australian curriculum. That's right. Um, and you know, so I'd go down to comprehension strategies. Yep. You know, so there'd be so. And now you think about with that intentionality of those things that you know, we're evaluating or we're giving our preferences for or we're thinking about, you know, our wonderings and our questioning and our predicting. So we're, you know, activating all these different kinds of comprehension strategies. Can you imagine then that across a year, all these different responses, this richness that's being caught in this reader's notebook and what a child is learning about themselves and the text that they're reading, and the record of that. Look at the story. Look at what's been caught. And this is where transformative tracking yep. really comes in, that if I've got all of this collection 
of my thinking that I have written and recorded and like I said before, you know, collecting vocabulary and um, phrases, and, all these things, it's this. And when I've done it with students, I've just loved reading them because it's, it is so personal and oh, it's so deep, their thinking. Their insights. Yeah, yeah. and it's so enjoyable to read what they've yes, written yes. and you get to know them yeah. in a way that is so valuable for you and yeah. your relationship with the kids, Yes. let alone writing reports and mm-hmm. um, what you can say to parents about what you know about them as a yes. reader is phenomenal. Yeah. Yes. And yes. so this beats the pants off a NAPLAN <laughs> test, doesn't it? Like it's, I mean, we need to have our standardised tests, yeah. but, you know, it, it's just so, so rich and mm-hmm. you can then take the children even further in their reading yeah. because you've, yeah. you're ask, you're finding out so much about them. You are finding out things that they… That's why it's transformative yes. tracking. Yes, you know. And whilst we might have your teaching. Yeah. opened up all of that, um, opened up all of oh, here I am again. I've lost my train of thought. It must be because I'm starting to go into switch off mode. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Um, let's just resume on. But you asked the question about the elements yes. of um, the reader's notebook. So, yeah. in a reader's notebook, I would include. Um, so there's all of these entries that students are adding into their notebook. I also find for year three and up, but even for the younger ones, if I do that um, one-on-one with them, I find reading um, interest inventories or reading surveys are a really wonderful way for students to give me a picture of themselves as a reader at the beginning of the year. Okay. So before the asks, reader's notebook, you no in the reader's notebook would go. Oh, okay. Yep. So yep. Yep. The, think of the reader's notebook as housing a whole lot of things. Yep. So readers survey. So doing that at the beginning of the year. It's probably good that I'm asking dumb questions because then it's <laughs> it, like uh, as if you've never done this. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It just it's teasing things out though, isn't it? Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there were paint fumes at play there. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so a reader's survey or a reading interest inventory, and there's lots of those around. But finding out, you know, what what are children's favourite books? What have what are books that they've loved? What um, uh, what do they? You know, how much do they read at home? Do they like getting books as presents? You know, there's a whole lot of things that we can ask that help us understand more about habits and behaviours of the students that we're that we're starting the year with. Like that is such a rich picture. And it's such a um, a catch up on what's happened. You haven't had these children, yeah, or you might yeah. have had them the year before, but um, yes. it's a catch up on what. What you yes, can find out about them. Yes, yeah. and giving them voice about themselves. <laughs> you know, mm. it's such a – so I love that included into the reader's notebook. In fact, that is frequently one of the very early things I do is that I give a reading survey and that goes into – that's kept in the reader's notebook. Probably gives them a message about how you value literature – uh, you're giving them messages about, you know, what yes. you're valuing as well by yes. what sort of questions you're asking in that yes. reader survey. That's yep. right. So 
that's another piece in there. Another yep. piece that I would add into the reader's notebook, and I usually kind of start either flip the notebook, so start from the back or just begin from the back, and that is for children to actually keep a daily log of their reading. Now, clearly not our foundation and year one students, but a lot of teachers that I've worked with year two have found that to be a fantastic addition where students are learning to keep a track of what they're reading. Now, for our foundation year one students, it's actually really important for the teacher, for us to keep a record of what are the books children are reading for themselves. So that this, you know, what books have become my reading repertoire for the year is a really um, strong element. Now, we might be going, what, you mean recording every day? Yeah, every day. What would we record? We record the book title, the author, we can record the page numbers that we've read, we can record... Um, how much time or we might, or how much time we've read that day. Um, we can record whether it was a just right book for us or not. We're not recording everything, all of these details every day. We can target different things. Different things. And then in that way, once again, that open on a child's table every day as they're reading. I can do a roving conference just by looking at that page and having a quick look at, is this child having trouble finding a just right book? Is this child really only reading a page a day? And is that, you know, what's happening for the rest of the time? Um, Is this child starting books and never finishing them? Is this child? It gives me a quick glimpse every day, and that's a that's a reading log, and that can be done in a calendar form. Yes, yes, yeah. and in fact, I've found you introduced me to the calendar form. No, you, yes, you did. Oh. Um, I always had a reading log, which was um, I would I did mine. So for middle and upper primary, I always did mine as um, a two week sheet um, and I would start it up the year you know it was as a sheet so that students didn't have to rule up the book and it was just a factor that didn't have to be um, a time factor because you don't want to make this so laborious that it takes away from their reading no right? that's the other thing isn't no it? that's right um, and, but the reading calendar I just I'm an absolute lover of the reading calendar now a3 size calendar is on there for the month and boxes are big enough for students to be able to write in book title author and little box in there that same thing I can either put in page numbers read or how long I read for or just right or and we've you know. just over the years we've just made them up ourselves but yeah. people can go onto the teachific site and get twenty twenty one yes yes reading calendars yeah but it's easy to make up your own if you yes, want to. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. is. And in fact, I found that for older students, 
as the year went on, I'd get them to draw up their own calendar. Oh, it was a great exercise. They love designing their own. Yes, own, yeah. Uh, bit of maths in there. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, it was also, you know, there's enough space around it, you know, sometimes goal set, you know, goals are recorded on the calendar mm. so that students can go, right, in this month, these are my goals. And then once again as teacher, my roving conference, I can, you know, go around, just yep. how's that goal going? Yep. So very quickly and very easily, it's another um, so element of the reader's notebook. Glue this into the notebook? Glue it into the notebook or set it up in their notebook. And so here we are again. See, we're building this picture of the each re- child as a reader. Yep. This is their reading story yeah. in one place. Now... Other element that I would include in there is it's the student's notebook where I actually house their reading conference notes. So rather than me having a folder with all the students' conference notes in it and that just sitting with me, I keep the conference notes in students' readers' notebooks and the students have got those. So it's a one-stop shop for it's, transformative tracking. Yeah, yeah. Really, that's fantastic. Yeah, right? and and those readers' notebooks are a fabulous tool for students to bring to a reading conference. If they're yeah. having a one-on-one reading conference with you, they've got this whole collection of things that so they can they can read to you and you can observe their reading for the conference. But just by bringing a notebook, they have got so much to share. What a great tool to bring to a three-way conference with parents. Oh, with parents. parents. They are a sensational tool. And it's it's something that parents very rarely see is, you know, their their child's reading story, their – a rich reading story. Like I've never – there's never been – I can honestly say this, there's never been a child whose story in that reader's notebook hasn't been one of richness because it is their story. Yeah. This is all in book form. Yes. I'm sure there's um, tech-savvy teachers out there that could do some of these things in an electronic form, Um, but we have found it's just so convenient with the hands-on having the book in front of you. Yes, and of course, if I'm working with students in, um, let's say we're in um, an online learning situation, mm. maybe the, um, you know, maybe the electronic version of these things is good. And of course, for some students, um, recording electronically is um, better for them than recording it. Yeah. Um, on paper. Um, Based on their learning needs. Yes. Yeah. But invariably, even as recently as, you know, two months ago, students in a um, class that's, you know, just working with, um, you know, who have all ac- have access to Chromebooks, loved the idea of having a physical notebook that they could work in with all of those things there in one place. It's almost novel now, isn't it, in this tech world? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is a little bit. Yeah. yeah, We'd like to think it's 
going forward rather than going back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and look, I think the, the, the key here, though, is what is most effective. Yeah. Yep. You know, that's, you know, I think that's what it's always about is about what's the most effective platform for it. This is where I've come with it and found it to be effective and in response to students and how much they have loved having things in one place and how accessible that is to me as a teacher in a roving conference. Yeah. I can easily see things. No one has to pull anything up on a screen. No one has to scroll through from here to here. Nobody has to recharge a battery before I can see mm. something. Um, and there is a real immediacy to putting that information onto paper. Yeah. Sharon? Yes, what? Any other elements for a reader's notebook? <laughs> <laughs> oh, surprise. <laughs> um Oh, gosh, what if I've forgotten a major element? They're, they're my key ones. They're the key ones, yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, you're happy about Oh, um, I've just, you know, I keep having these little, you know, oh, what else, you know, rememberings. Yeah. Um, one of the things, I, this goes right back to, you know, asking those questions mm. and those prompts. I just want to say I'd always have high expectations about those. Because any child can think of, especially children who are very used to having um, closed types of questions, mm. will come to these open types of questions in the same kind of way. So let's say my open question is, um, what puzzled you today? You know, as you were reading or as you were listening to reading, what, was, what puzzled you? Now, if students are used to closed questions, they'll be thinking, I just have to come up with one answer and I'm done. And in fact, if someone else comes up with an answer, I'm also done, you know, because the teacher's just looking for an answer and, you know, we're, mm. we're finished. I would always, I would always put an, I'd put a number on it. So I might say what three, or depends on what age students are, but I might say what three or more things puzzled you today. Oh, that's good. Yep. So that it's it's not this thinking of I've just got to come up with one thing and then I don't have to do any more thinking. Yep. So with any of those things, um, you know, what, what, uh, what did I enjoy or uh, what um, how did this story make you feel? You know, what three or what five or more feelings did you have mm -hmm. as you were reading today? Uh, the other, that's great. And then you start to build up a culture of um, answering open questions that wouldn't have been there at the start because they're not used to it. Yes. So you've definitely got to build up a culture. It, take, well, it would take time with some children, I'm sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then for some it doesn't take much time at all. No. But but what we're doing is valuing thinking. Yep. What about teachers saying, you know, can you help me, Sharon, with um, where do I get some really good uh, meaty questions that would really work uh, for my children? You know, what 
All right. Where, where so if, if we wanted, if I could just say as a starting point, mm. um, there, there would be, so Aidan Chambers, his four questions, his four questions, five questions, let me, as I say them, Just, I'll work out which ones yeah. they are. Here they are. Mm. And and these are a great place to start every time. And we, we don't ask a question just once. No. You know, no. we're going to come to it again. But um, good starting questions are, no fail, um, what, what did I like? What do I like about this story? But add that number. What, you know three plus, what, four plus things do I like? Even for my younger ones, my um, foundation years, you know, what two things did I, two or more things did I really like about this story? You know, we, we, they've got more than, there's more that they've got more possibilities for them. We can be very, very limiting on it. But yep. what did I like? What didn't I like? What puzzled me? What questions do I have? And what patterns did I notice? Great. Great starting point, isn't it? Yeah. And so just those five questions alone will get you a long way into thinking, getting kids thinking differently. Then there's, you know, other questions... Just by going into the Australian curriculum, ah. you will find some more. So I'm looking at um, like foundation years in expressing preferences. It says share feelings and thoughts about the events and characters in texts. So turn that into a question. So I can, so what were your feelings about the events in the story today? Okay, yep. So... You know, shit. Or um, how did how did the events of the story make you feel? So we mm. can turn those right here. There yeah. are ways to turn those these very pieces into good questions. And I guess the other thing is, um, oh, there'd be more resources too, wouldn't there? But the other thing is to get lots of oral rehearsal going where the children do this just in, in an oral way yes. before they yeah. write down in their reader's notebook. Well, yeah. that's – I think I did say earlier. Yeah, you that, did. Yeah, yeah, that whatever questions we ask to get, you know, for thinking about for the reader's notebook, we're asking the same questions for talking, for turn and tell, for discussion. Thinkers talking. We're thinkers talking. So we're doing this – same questions – same questions, and if we're doing those as discussion questions, no, then the kids will be used to it. Then, by the time they get to the readers' notebook that's day, right. yeah. Um, so, we, and isn't yeah. that a nice thing to be thinking that? Ah, this is the thinking I'm doing, not the. Mm, I wonder what questions I'm going to get asked today. Mm, mm. You know, I better be. What do I have to listen for? Am I going to get asked this? Am I going to get? No, we want these. You know, these kinds of questions that are the good reader questions, the good reader thinking that's that's happening. So when we come up with what are the good questions, run that through ourselves. Is this a good question 
that is this a question that a good reader is this thinking a good reader would be doing? I like your number idea to try and get those kids that are not used to this yeah. because I can see that being a problem initially. Yes. But, but after yeah. a while and lots of during the week yeah. modelling of questions. But do you know what? You know? It's a little bit like what Rob was talking about. You know, I, we don't have to worry too much about kids. You know, it's like if, especially when we value them as thinkers and they get to see that these readers notebooks just become so powerful and so insightful and so surprising and you said a key thing here too before is it's good for us to be reading these and responding Mm. it's good Mm. It, it doesn't have to be that we write and nobody gets to read this this is, and in fact, I often encourage students to share their readers' notebooks as well, so that it isn't just a um, internal thing. Yeah, and I that it's, and I love uh, when I write back to them. I really respond from the heart as well about mm. what I thought about their thinking. Yes, and yes. that's just incredible. You yeah. know, it's um, yeah. You know, it's not just, you know, tick, you, you've done a great no. job. No, that's right. And, uh, you, and this you is, write really meaningful responses back to yeah, them about yeah. what they're doing. And this is and where they love it. teachers will often say to me, well, how can, how can I respond to something that a child's written about a book that I haven't read? You don't have to have read the book. Not at all. To really know how this child has engaged with that book and what they are doing as a reader and as a thinker. And in fact, it's really increasing the teacher's knowledge about the books that are in that classroom library. Yes. Isn't yeah. it? Without yeah. having to re- read all of them. Yes. Yeah. Just by reading the reader's There has notebooks. been many a book, or, you know, a, many a reader's notebook entry of a child, you know, talking about a book where I thought, I'd like to read that. Yeah. Not because they've reviewed it, but because of the insights mm. they've had into that book where I think, oh, my goodness, this is dealing with with an issue that I can really recommend this to another child in the class mm. or, or I'd, you I, know, like the, I want to read that so that I can... Mm, I, um, like, I like the way you have it as part of Turn and Talk because then, wow, we're spreading out the knowledge of all these great books to read that are in our classroom library. Yes, I mean, yes. You know, fantastic Yeah, um, to do that. Yeah, so where that, you know, turn and um, where I talk about, you know, at the end of independent reading, doing a turn and tell, mm. where the reader's notebook, those entries often live during the writer's workshop, during, after independent reading, I often build in, you know, once a week a pull out your uh, read or you've got your readers notebooks out share your last entry with or share an entry that you want to share with your partner today Sharon I just <laughs> realized we've answered key question two what's a good tool that we've used your views with uh, teachers in classrooms and it is uh, turn and tell and good questions good opening questions yes yeah. yeah. So we've kind of answered that one. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad. 
<laughs> I'm glad we're covering things here, Phil. Sorry to cut you off a bit there. But oh. um, And then we can go to key question three now. Um, what's yes. a tantalising text? Oh, do we um, – hang on. Let me just have one last thing about um, – about, have I said everything that I've wanted to say about um, – you think I've said enough about Rita's notebooks? Well, I think you're looking at the time. Time is marching yes. on. Yeah. I know. I, yeah. It's good to cut me off. All right. So, texts that I've used. Mm-hmm. All right. It's I'm well overdue for you know having a poem or some poetry as a text right. that I'm sharing here, yep. and this poem, an Edward Lear poem. The Jumblies. Now, you can chase this one up. It's, there's plenty of um, versions of it on um, the internet if you haven't got a copy of it in your classroom. It's quite a long poem. Um, it's got a number of verses. Um, and by the way, Edward Lear is fantastic, oh, isn't he? Okay. So much fun with language. Yeah. And from for your foundation students through to now the Jumblies – I last shared this with a year two, three class who were completely captivated by this. So we had it as a big book version. So we had it as in large text. We had it as um, a copy for each of the children so that hmm, they actually stuck this into their reader's notebook. So poems collected that they love to have as you know, to revisit and go back to. haven't mentioned this before, but here is that other piece that um, is it's great to add poetry into the reader's notebook. Maybe that was and the thing you were trying to think of. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure there'll be something else you'll say. But anyway. Uh, yeah. um, so anyway, I'm not going to read all of the jumblies, but I just mm. want to read oh, maybe a verse or two. Um and, you know, I really um, – oh, I'm having a mental blank again. I've had three today, Phil. Mm, That's yeah. – yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, so the Jumblies, verse one. They went to sea in a sieve, they did. In a sieve they went to sea. In spite of all their friends could say, on a winter's morn on a stormy day, in a sieve they went to sea. And when the sieve turned round and round and everyone cried, you'll all be drowned, they called aloud, our sieve ain't big, but we don't care a button, we don't care a fig. In a sieve we'll go to sea, far and few, far and few are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue and they went to sea in a sieve. They sailed away in a sieve they did, in a sieve they sailed so fast with only a beautiful pea-green veil tied with a ribbon by way of a sail to a small tobacco pipe mast. And everyone said who saw them go, Oh, won't they soon, sorry, oh, won't they be soon upset, you know? For the sky is dark and the voyage is long, and, happen what may, it's extremely wrong in a sieve to sail so fast. Far and few, far and few are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue and they went to sea in a sieve. Just exquisite rhythm, beautiful rhyme, wonderful story. Rich vocabulary. Rich vocabulary. 
patterns. There's that Aidan Chambers question. What patterns did we notice? Some beautiful patterns, some language patterns, some repetition patterns. So many beautiful things to explore in there. Six big, rich verses. So... A, lo- a lovely thing to have in your reader's notebook. Um, yes, yeah. And that's that, I think, I was just making a connection as you were reading that beautiful poem, that uh, when we feel like we're not covering enough poetry, um, mm-hmm. to combine poetry with the reader's notebook, we're, we're catching those poems in that book and yeah. we're making language alive again for the kids, aren't yes. we? Yes, yeah. What a wonderful thing. yes. And because the reader's notebook is present on the table during reading time, yeah. there's there's a time for me to to revisit my poems. You know, so I have a section in my reader's notebook yeah. of the poems that yeah. we've been collecting, and that's foundation through to year seven. Yeah. The, the, um, and the Lady of Shalott, Sharon. Well. That's just another example. So the Jumblies, really mm. a wonderful example for the middle um, middle primary years probably. But also for our upper um, year levels, great to have some of those wonderful epic poems, you know, that are, um, have full parts to them. Um, so, And I can't recommend more highly, you know, The Lady of Shalott as a fantastic... Um, poem that one of the teachers that I work with at Nan Primary has used, um, I think, twice now with her year six sevens. And just one point that I want to make about that is whilst it's written in verse form, in exploring that poem together as a class, and by exploration I mean, you know, that as a read aloud, and then they've. Um, you know, viewed that as, you know, um, you know, where somebody's made an animation of it or has read that to, you know, link to paintings of the story. Um, one thing that um, Helen has done with her class, though, in their reader's notebook is that they have, after the exploration of the Lady of Shalott, they have then retold the story as a narrative and I have never seen such exquisite writing as I have seen both years that Helen has done that with her six sevens. The writing, the way they have written those narratives, the story they know so well, the language that they use in that, in that retelling of that story but not writing it in poetic form, writing it now just as story form has been truly, I would say, transformative for those children. And uh, written by Alfred Tennyson. Yes, yes. A fantastic writer. Yes. Um, I think we might just wrap up now, Sharon. Um, Fantastic. now that I've finished. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Fantastic session on Reader's Notebooks. And... um, Hopefully you've got enough clues there to get a really good version of a reader's notebook going for next year. Or well, and do you know what? It's about starting with it. You know, it's it's where your it's where your students will take it as well. Yeah, keeping it open and keeping it um, 
theirs. And you don't have to be perfect to start with. You just no. try it out and you get better and better as you go. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say my first efforts were terrific and apologies to all those year sixes that I started with all those years ago. But do you know what? We started. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully some of those tips and tricks around Reader's Notebook might um, speed it up might help you in starting off, but um, more importantly, the value of it mm. is um, is what you're keeping in mind to chase that down. Yeah. And we hope that we've got yeah. the message across today that there's um, deeper thinking about this reader's notebook, that it's um, a lot more than somebody might think about it on a surface level. Um, yes. There's a lot to it. Yeah. But Intentional. And sorry, I cut in there. No, that's all right. Intentional. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, because I want to say sometimes we'll say, you know, we will hear um, people say, especially if we're running a workshop, um, a reader's workshop, and we're saying, oh, well, you know, isn't that a bit loosey-goosey, kids doing all that reading, and, you know, where is the accountability for what they're reading and what they're um, – I. A reader's notebook for me is more accountable and richer than any other way I have ever worked yep. with students yep. to get um, to to, well, cap- know, to, to ca- capture them as all the things they know about reading. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And that they they own that. Yeah. They know that there is that rule. The three selves yep. are fully invested. Yeah. In that. So, thank you, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And we've uh, loved that we've been able to share everything with you. Um, please write to us via the Q Learning website um, on the contact us page. Uh, join our weekly newsletter through that website, and subscribe to our podcast. That'd be fantastic, and give us a star rating if you get a chance. Um, and thank you very much, Sharon, for being our co-host today. Thank you, Phil, as always. Thank you, everybody out there. Enjoy. And all the best for this coming year. We hope you have a really great year. If you're listening to this at the beginning of the year. <laughs> yes. Well, that's right. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, oh, I must mention, yes. uh, let's say the word teacher in another language. And I'm picking Spanish today. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping I get this right for the feminine. You say this every time. <laughs> professora. And for the masculine, professor. That's in Spanish. All right. I hope I did okay. <laughs> Thanks very much. Okay. Bye, Bye everyone. everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. To make sure you don't miss any literacy learning tips and insights, please subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player. At Q Learning, our literacy specialists draw on over 30 years of teaching and international consulting experience to deliver world-class learning solutions. We equip, empower, and support teachers to become their authentic selves. To find out about upcoming webinars and about how Q can help you and your school, visit qlearning.com.au. And you can get even more amazing teaching resources right now at teachific.com.au. Stay tuned.